0: Well, good morning. My name is Neil Chotai, pastor of Church Life, and happy Father's Day to all the dads, the coaches, the uncles, the mentors. We want to honor you today. So after the service, as is our tradition here, yes, we do have some traditions. So for the past seven years, we have been giving away uh, dad's root beer to all the men in the church. So 18 and above, get this. Now there's going to be a test. Because we're going to have some guys out there handing this to you. You have to know my points of the sermon, okay? That's the only way you're going to get it. So I'm kidding. I'm a man of mercy and grace. Man of mercy and grace. It's okay. It's okay. So yeah, this morning I was surprised by my kids. And uh, they uh, gave me a gift. I was very thankful it was not a tie. You know, some people look good in ties. Other people choke in ties. So that would be me. So they actually got me this shirt. So if you see any tags at the back... That's how quickly I put it on, you know, because for my kids, because I, because I love being a dad. So we are continuing our uh, series on the book of Philippians, having the mind of Christ. So here we have Paul, and he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, and he's writing this letter to encourage them because they're under great persecution, um, because in the society that they're living in, that is not Christ-friendly at all, and also these individuals are having just life as well. Life in general is full of stresses and issues. So Paul is uh, full of unspeakable joy and joy is basically a theme of this book of Philippians. So he's writing this letter of, of encouragement and it's really interesting that he's writing this because he's writing this place this, in prison. He's writing this letter, basically, he's in prison, and all these guards are around him, literally 24-7. He is chained to them. But you know what? Paul has this incredible joy. Now, as he's writing this letter, he doesn't mind who is actually peering in and and actually seeing him write this letter because, you know, he's being chained. Um, And that's okay, because this is his opportunity to share the gospel message to a captive audience. As much as he's a captive, so are the soldiers. So I can just imagine what the soldiers are saying. Oh, here's Paul again. He's talking about this Jesus guy walking on water and all this stuff. Oh, here he goes again. Paul should be distraught, but he's not distraught at all. Again, Paul is full of joy because he has received grace and peace through the relationship that he has with Jesus Christ. And because of that joy in his life, it's creating this atmosphere that people are being intrigued by the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So he can engage with them. And Paul can only do that if he is constantly being empowered by the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk to you a bit about the Holy Spirit. Now, here's some facts about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We, um, we ascribe him the title third person of the, of the Trinity. You know, But there's no real placement of first, second, and third. That's just how it is, um, because they are all equal in the Godhead. Three distinct persons, one God. I have to make that very clear, one God. There are different functions within the Godhead of the Triune God. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. When you look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is there in the creation of the world. He's there throughout all the individuals, in their lives and, and, and progressing God's mission of redemption throughout the entire Bible. And in the New Testament, when we see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, immediately the Holy Spirit comes and lives within them. Now think about how incredible that is. God could have decided to put His Spirit in a building, like a temple or a church, but He decides to have His presence, the Holy Spirit, inside every single Christ follower. Now, we should be open to what the Spirit of God wants us to do. It is important because the Holy Spirit guides us in life and points us to what the direction we need to be in. Now, if the Holy Spirit had a job description, okay, this may sound weird, but if he had a job description, this is what the job description of the Holy Spirit is. Spotlight is on Jesus Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit does. Everything that he does points to Jesus Christ because of the redemption, the gospel message of Jesus, of of the grace and mercy of God. So that's his job. And the Holy Spirit lives within us, points us and enables us to live our lives to the glory of Jesus Christ to the Father. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit needs to be active in all of our lives. So my message title for today is Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Very simple. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1, 19 to 26. It's also available on your Bible apps. Um, Just like to ask everybody to stand as we read the Word of God this morning. So Philippians 1, 19 to 26. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I do? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. But you can be seated. Now, when we look at verse 19, um, I need to move back a part of a verse, verse 18, because in this passage of scripture for, for this morning, uh, in the rendering of the NIV, the NASB, ESV, and several versions, this sentence is midway in, in verse 19. So I need to go back to the part of verse 18, which says, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And again, the theme of joy is there. So it starts really off with this, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. And then we go into verse 19. Now, the word rejoice uh, brings memories to me. Um, So I I became a Christ follower in grade 12 very last year. And I never went to a Sunday morning service while I was a Christian because I was really afraid of what my family would think. And it's a very complicated story. That's gonna be maybe another sermon later on in the future. Who knows? Um, But I remember going to university in Ottawa in September and for the first time going into church, the very first time and hearing a pastor give an incredible uh, message verse by verse of uh, what the passage meant. It was absolutely incredible. And hearing the songs, being part of, of, of a group of people singing songs unto God. Now, every song was brand new to me because I've never really been in church. So whether it was a hymn, a contemporary chorus, or a Gregorian chant, everything was very new to me. So new. And I just one pastor, and he loved the word rejoice. And he would... He would, he would kind of like start off sometimes with a song, okay? Now, I know last week somebody tried to do a song, and, and I'm, going to, I'm going to be have enough boldness to do it today. So you will know why Corey is our worship pastor, because of what's going to happen. So, but I do need your help, because I have the tendency to sing in the key of Z flat, okay? So if you know the words of this, let's see if we can sing it once or twice, okay? So it goes like this. <clears throat> Me, 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 me. Okay. So, ready? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Okay, let's do it one more time. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say rejoice, hold it, and good. Give yourself, give yourself a hand. Who would have known that my third year worship leading course would actually come in handy? That was like the best $800 I ever spent in my life. There you go. There you go. So, Professor Mazzarelli, see, I did it. I could do it. So he prefaces with verse 19 about the word rejoice, and then he goes into this passage we're looking at today. And we must be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like the Philippian church, just like Paul, to live out our journey as we pursue God, as we pursue Christ. But how can we do that? Well, Paul is teaching us in the Philippian church about this. So the big idea for this morning is there are three empowerments the Holy Spirit gives us to live out our journey. So the first empowerment is strength. Strength. When we look at the verses that Paul is about to share, um, as we're looking at them today, he says, For I know that your prayers, talking about the people of Philippi, And God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So when he says Spirit of Jesus Christ, he's referring to, yes, the Holy Spirit. Now there is a connection between this part and this part. This is the connection. Because it is the Holy Spirit that has empowered and guides the people to pray for Paul in this instance. And it's also the Holy Spirit coming alongside upon Paul. Paul to help him during this time, during this moment. And this word provision, this provision is actually help. And it's a reference to Ephesians 4.16. This is the passage of scripture where it talks about the ligaments and the strength and muscles coming together. And this is the strengthening. This is the strength that comes. And this is what helps Paul deal with what has happened to him. And what has happened to him? Well, he has shared the gospel message. Because of that, he's been thrown in prison. And this strength that he has given to him by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he can confidently look to his deliverance. His deliverance. So we, empower, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit with strength for deliverance. Now let's look at the word deliverance right now the term deliverance we re- can refer to the book of job chapter 13 when we look at this scripture and we look at the scriptures that he is quoting that what paul is quoting he is quoting a direct quote from the book of job in the greek manuscripts that he would have had in the day it is the exact same writing so we're looking at this and he's referring to job in the old testament job was an individual during the time of the genesis period where they believe in the Genesis period, he was an individual that had all these trials and all these tribulations, and people were, were telling him you know, certain things that he wasn't that good, he did something against God, what is going on, all these trials and tribulations are happening because he's done something wrong. But Job is in a position saying, no, 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 there is deliverance that's going to be, because he is confident that whether... whether he is acquitted or not, we're talking about Paul now, whether he is acquitted or not, his stand for Christ will be vindicated. And that was the same experience with Job. It needs to be shown that everyone, that he is in the right. For Job, it was the desire to prove his integrity, and for Paul, He wants to prove his apostolic standing in front of the people, and that is why he is in prison. He's doing something right. He's chosen to do something right. That is share the gospel message by following God's will. So Paul calls on both divine help and human help through the Spirit of God, helping those humans to pray for him during this time. And the help he knows that he can count on is the empowerment of the Spirit of God through the strength. See, Jesus promises us strength, When we have to go out into the world that we are in, you know, Jesus said in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke that, that there's going to be a day when we are arraigned before tribunals and magistrates. And what's going to happen during those days? In those passages, Jesus says, the spirit of God will give you the words to say. For your deliverance. Because what you are doing is correct. You are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around you. And that is what we need to do as well. When we share the message of Jesus Christ, we are in the right. Because that is what God wants us to do. Share the message of salvation to everyone that is around us. Which is so important. We can count on the Holy Spirit for that strength for times of deliverance, through the situations that we are in. It is the Holy Spirit that infuses us constantly and consistently with what we need to live our lives out in the situations that we are in. And we need to remember, that strength does not come from ourselves. No amount of strength that we have can help us through this. It is the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit, from God, to help us through all these situations. This is true for everything that happens in our lives, our daily lives. That the strength comes from God through the Holy Spirit. The second empowerment by the Holy Spirit is courage. Courage. Paul goes on to say in the next verse, he says that he will in no way be ashamed because of what he's doing, especially when he is called to stand before the judges. That he's not going to be, it's not going to be a moment of that. He should be ashamed of, but he's doing what is right, what God wants him to do. And he says that he will be given, that he will have sufficient courage. That courage that comes from the Holy Spirit comes from God through that empowerment. And the words um, eagerly expect, it refers to this longing looking forward, longing, like this is going to happen. This Within him, it's it, it's going to happen. Yes, it, this will happen because of the courage that he's given. This expectation, you know, I, I've done a number, number, number of weddings over the past years and I've got a few more happening now. Um, so it's like that expectation of the groom waiting for the bride to come, kind of like, Oh, there she is. You know, it's this longing that he has this expectation of, of, of this courage that is coming upon him. So he can move forward in what God wants him to do. And in what he does, God will be exalted. Exalted. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit with courage to exalt God in all circumstances. That no matter what happens, Christ needs to be the center of our existence. That he needs to be praised for all things at all times. And here is Paul, imprisoned, and he is exalting God at all times. And continuing in verse 20, he says he's going to exalt him in his body, his entire being, his entire who he is, his entire essence, his destiny that God has given him, whether it is in life or in death, no matter what, he will exalt God, no matter what happens. Then Paul writes a very impactful verse, which many Christians in my, when I've talked to them, love this verse, and this is in Philippians 121, and I want to share how he's writing this. So so he says, for to me. For to me, he's being emphatic about this. He's saying this, he's unshaken in faith. He's unshaken in the faith of Jesus Christ. So the way this this is, we're supposed to read it is like, for to me, for me, I will be unshaken in my faith no matter what happens because God has done this in my life that I will stand up for God. Then he says this, the following two lines, okay? If you are a person that loves grammar, you're going to have a heart attack in this because, seriously, because in the original, there is no verb is. Shameful, isn't it? Paul has bad grammar. No. Paul is trying to make a point. He's saying, for to me, I will not be shaken in the faith of Jesus Christ because for me to live, Christ, to die, gain. He's making a emphatic statement to the church. He's making the emphatic statement to all of us today, saying that, This relationship that you have should not be shaken. It is a firm foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you to live Christ, do everything in Christ's name. And if it's die, you gain. What do you gain? You gain heaven. You see Jesus face to face. That is what Paul is saying. To live Christ, to die is gain. And after Paul has just given this amazing verse, which people like to quote, it's almost like he's having this tug-of-war situation in the next few verses concerning it. Now, you remember tug-of-war, right? How many people have you have played tug-of-war before? Right? Okay, so I was a camp counselor at this camp in Coburg, and uh, I was never a camper. I was always a counselor at youth camp. So, I had this group of 13 to 17-year-old boys, and you know, they're 13 to 17-year-old boys. I was probably the best camp, uh, camp counselor because I made sure I had enough pop and chips to give them every, every day of the week. That is why they pranked me never at all. They did not prank me at all. So, so we are going to be playing this event, okay? tug of war. And I'm calculating and I'm thinking, if we win this one, we're definitely going to win the next two and we'll be in first place. That'll be the second time in a row that my team came in first place, which is great. I was the envy of every single other counselor. Okay. They asked me, why are you always winning? I say, because Jesus is on my side, not yours. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I thought that, but I didn't say it. Uh, so then I'm te- we teamed up with a, with, with a girls team, 13 to 17-year-old girls. And you know, we're all, they're all teenagers, 13, and 17. So we're at the tug-of-war event. And then this other team comes, and I'm thinking, they're not teenagers, they're like all men and women already. Okay, you've heard the word, the term victory lap, right? Okay, you, you know, like these are high school students, they, they go up to grade 12, and instead of going to university or college, they decide to take a victory lap up, up one more year. This team must have taken 20 victory laps, okay? Because they were like men and women. I'm not thinking, you got to be kidding. But I'm the camp counselor. I'm like, hey, guys, we got this. We got this. I'm thinking, my no, we don't. It's not happening. So one kid comes to me and says, Neil, we got this. And I'm thinking, yeah, we got this. I'm like, we don't got this at all. No, no, no. He says, my brother Brad's on the other team. I look at Brad. That, that, that's your brother? Okay. You know Brad's on the other team, right? Yeah, and that's his friend Joe. Well, Joe is bigger than Brad. And I'm thinking, how are we, how is this good for us? And he says, we got this. Because my brother Brad like, likes Joe's little sister. Okay, big deal. I caught them making out behind the tuck shop after service. I'm like, interesting. What do I do with this information now? I don't know, really can't do anything. So the whistle blows, it's time for tug of war. And And our team, like, they're doing good, but inch by inch, it's going the other way, right? So, this kid, my camper, goes, Hey, Joe! Joe's like, What? And Joe is like full of saliva, just out of, like, he's just pulling and everything. He's like, What? And then my camper goes, Hey, I caught my brother Brad making out with your little sister behind the tug shop after service. Well, Joe looks at Brad, Brad looks at Joe. They drop the rope. Everybody on the other team was like, what's going on? Some of them drop the rope. The, my kids look at me and say, what do we do? I said, pull the rope, pull the rope. <laughs> so they pull, they pull, they pull, and we win. We won. But tug-of-war is is one side going this way, one side going that way. And that is what is happening in Paul's spirit right now as we're going to the next verse. This is tug-of-war situation happening. And and he says this, if I go on living, if I go on living in in the body, that will be fruitful labor for me. So he's saying this, hey, if I'm acquitted, this is Okay. I can share the gospel message all around Europe. I can help form these Christ-centered communities, these churches being built up, what God wants me to do. I can do that. But then he realizes, yeah, but being in the presence of God forever is wonderful. And then he says, what shall I choose? I do not know. Now, when he's saying, what shall I choose? It's not his choice, really, uh, because God is sovereign in this. But he's in this thing, you know, what what am I going to do? Because... If I get, if I do this, this is wonderful. I'm training all these communities for Christ, and this is wonderful. But, but then, you know, there's, he's having this, he's just torn. And, it's, and and we need to look at scripture, how torn he is. And he even says that I'm torn between the two, that I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Because really, being with Christ physically, seeing him face to oh, face, oh, that is far better. But we're called to our destinies in this life. We are gospel-centered Christians needing to do the gospel-centered thing, and that is sharing the gospel message. See, Paul is so committed to the gospel that both in death and life held certain attractions. It was up to him, if it was up to him to decide, he doesn't know what to do. But we are called to have courage to exalt God at all times. And for Paul, he's gonna exalt God, whether, whether he's creating more communities of Christ, Or whether he's martyred, because it's all to the glory of God. No matter what we do in life, we must exalt God. It is so easy to exalt God, give Him thanks when things are going well, right? Oh God, raise, praise the Lord. Oh God, this new house, praise the Lord. My my kids are healthy, praise God. But what about in the times that are hard and that are difficult? The world needs to see Christ's followers exalt God in the good times. But they need to see Christ's followers, all of us, exalt God also in the bad times. Because he is God in the good and in the bad. God is God and we must exalt him. And the spirit of God empowers us to have that courage to exalt God in all situations. Even when we share the gospel in our roughest seasons. That is what the church is called to do. That is what we are called to do. The third way we are empowered by the Holy Spirit... Is by service, service. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, after this tug-of-war situation in his mind, in his body, and his spirit, he comes to the determination, and he says, "It is more necessary for you—that is, the church at Philippi—oh, was wrong, church at Philippi—that I remain in the body, which is." the church. It's more important for him to remain. It is more necessary for him to come and serve and serve with his giftings in the faith. So we are empowered by the Spirit with service in the faith in the faith of Jesus Christ. Paul has a personal desire to be in Christ with Christ in glory, but that has to take a second place in his responsibility for the church. That he is a member of. It is more in harmony with the master plan of God for the church to grow. To be a, ref- you know, he's having, he's having a reflection time. He's having a time of personal reflection. And this would be equivalent to, to 1 Corinthians 11. In 1 Corinthians 11, we, we usually go to that for, for, um, for communion. You know, it's a time to reflect. So it's time for him to reflect. And he's realizing that it's better for him to be here on this planet and serve in the faith, in the giftings that God has given him. So he writes this. He says that it's better to continue. That he says, I will continue with all of you. That's the entire church. For your progress. Because they're making great progress in in what they're doing. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And the joy... In the faith, again, it's that joy word that he uses. It's enlarging the faith of Jesus Christ with others. And the believer in Christ should never be satisfied or static where they are. See, Christianity isn't a spectator faith. We don't come here and just say, oh, thank you for the music. How lovely. Oh, thank you for that little teaching. Wonderful. Wonderful. That is not what Christianity is. Christianity, we participate in the body of Christ together. It's about being involved in the local church. It's being involved in the mission that God has given us. That we can't be satisfied just sitting and not doing our part. But God has given the church giftings. Has given us all giftings. He goes on to verse 26. And again, he says this word... Here, joy. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow and counter me. Now, he's not saying because of me, that's where you're going to have joy. He's saying because of God's master plan for me to actually be with you, that's the most important thing. I am following the destiny that God has given me to be there with the people in the service, in the giftings that God has given me so that all of us can participate in the faith and the joy of God comes within all of us. The word joy overflowing. And that's what it has to be within the church. That it, that's what it needs to be in our lives. We are all people of the church in the body of Christ. And we need to serve the faith within the local church. We all have giftings. You have a gifting and you have a gifting that is different from mine. And it is in those giftings that we serve the faith. We are in the body of Christ, which is Jesus is the head, all authority in heaven and earth is upon him. For the mission of the church, for us to go in the joy that he has given us to share the message of hope, light and love to the world that needs it that we must choose to serve in the faith. Service is extremely important. It's an active faith that we are in. Being powered by the Spirit. How do you serve in the faith? What is your part? What is your gifting to be in the church? That is so important. See, empowered by the Holy Spirit. With strength for deliverance, with courage to exalt God, and with service in the faith. Now, as I just summarized these three points, I want to talk about another element here. Being being empowered by the Spirit means that, that we have the Spirit of God within us. And the only way that we can be empowered by the Spirit of God is if we have a faith in Jesus Christ. So the Father, this being Father, so the Father, the Father loves us father adores us and what did he do out of love he sends jesus christ his only begotten son to earth why out of love born of a virgin grows up in stature and wisdom what does he do he teaches about relationship with the father why does he do that because he loves the people and jesus goes on the cross why why Because of the love of God, the love for us that God has for us, so that the sin that we have could be forgiven through an ultimate sacrifice named Jesus Christ that the Father gave freely to humanity out of love. And what happens? He dies. For our sins, we are washed in the blood of Christ, which means we can have this access to God. And the resurrection occurs. Why? Because of the love of the Father that He has upon us. Because He sent His Son Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins. And then the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. Why? Because of the love of the Father. Why? To the glory of Jesus Christ. Why? So we can be empowered by the Spirit to do what God wants us to do in the destiny that he has blessed us with. To be the ones to share the message of hope, light, and love. Of sacrifice, of redemption, reconciliation. That is what God has called us to do. That is what we must do. So I want to go back to Philippians 1.21. This part, for all the Christ followers in this room. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. have a question for you. Are you living out this verse? Are you unshaken in your faith with Jesus Christ that you do everything for Christ? Everything. And when God calls you home, and it's your time, and your days are over on this planet, that the next moment you're in the presence of God and you see God in glory, you see God in heaven, and that you have gained that. Where are you today, Christ followers? Are you living out this verse? I have another question for you. I'm going to ask you this for everybody in this room, Christ follower or not at this time. Are you ready to die? You're probably wondering, well, that is such an encouraging question. You know, Thank you very much. But are you ready to die? Because the only way that we can live like this is if we have eternal assurance with Jesus Christ. We have an assurance of heaven because those who are Christ followers have this assurance that we will see Jesus one day in heaven, that we have eternal life. But then those who are not followers of Christ, what about you? What about you in this room? Because from what the Bible says, and which many of us believe in, is that you do not have an assurance of eternal life that you have separation from God forever. We talk about heaven, and we talk about it all the time. It's a beautiful place, but we have to talk about the other place too. We have to talk about damnation, we have to talk about hell, we have to talk about that part that is a total separation from God. God loves you so much, He's not gonna. he wants to have a relationship with you. The enemy, Satan wants you to be in hell. But God loves you and cares about you and is calling to you, even right now, to be in a relationship. I was in high school for two years, my last two years, and I had these friends come to me who were Christians, and they would tell me about Jesus, and I would be like the Roman soldiers, kind of like saying, oh, here they go again, talking about this Jesus guy. Maybe you're in this room, and you're feeling that way as well. I know how you feel. I know exactly how you feel right now. But there was one time when there was a tugging in my, in my body and I know what it was the Holy Spirit. And, and he's putting the spotlight to Jesus and God is calling me to be a relationship with him. Saying, I love you. I care about you. I want to be in a relationship with you. Everybody in this room, for those that may be, I don't know where your spiritual journey is right now. I don't know everybody in this room. I don't. But there are those who have an assurance of eternal life, and some in this room that don't. Maybe this day, on Father's Day, this is the day that you want to have the assurance of eternal life, and that is through a loving and caring relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only, only way. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Perhaps today you want to have a relationship with him. And to do that, you ask God to forgive you of your sins because sin separates us from a relationship with God. Secondly, you believe Jesus is the only God, the only one. And then you commit your life to Christ. If that is you, in a few moments, I'm going to say this prayer as you make a decision from your heart. And you can repeat that prayer with me. I'm also going to have a prayer for all the Christ followers in this room. When we look at this verse, where are you? I want to encourage you today. Do you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, for your grace, and for your mercy. We thank you for giving us hope, light, and love. And Father, right now, I'm I'm addressing all those who are followers of Jesus Christ in this room. Father, as we looked at these verses, and Father, may we be individuals that are unshaken in our faith no matter what. To live for Jesus Christ. Every single thing that we do is for him. That he is our core. He is, he is who we need to model. And that we are not afraid to die because we know that we will see you face to face. Father, I pray that those individuals, if they're not living in the empowerment of the spirit, may they do so. We thank you for eternal assurance of heaven. But we need to live by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to live our lives out. Now for those of you who are choosing today, making a decision from your heart to become a Christ follower. I'm not going to guilt you into this relationship. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That there is eternal separation, that is without being with God. But God loves you and he cares about you, wants to have a relationship with you. He's calling you right now. He called you from the very beginning of time to have a relationship with you. If that is you in this place, I want you to pray this prayer after me from your heart. silently in your heart, pray this prayer so that you can become a follower of Jesus Christ who loves you, who cares about you on this Father's Day. Pray this prayer. Dear God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that Jesus, you are the only God And I commit my life to Christ. Thank you for the assurance of eternal life. Most importantly, thank you for the relationship I have with you. And the love that you have for me. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.